Yeah, so I got I got a I got a couple tips for you if if you're open for a roast. Oh boy, I didn't sign up for a roast, but I'll, 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 I'm doing it. All right, let me. Let me take okay, okay. You're free consultation here. <laughs> I would <laughs> I would totally drop property in Ukraine out of the thumbnail because you the title says I bought an apartment in Ukraine. It's duplication. So the thumbnail. Yeah, just. I would get rid so just of the big mistake is all I need. I would just get, yeah, leave it at big mistake. Cause that's compelling. That creates uh, uh, curiosity. Like, why is this a big mistake? Why do I want to know what's going on here? And, and I mean, Ukraine, Ukraine is already a tr- controversial subject. This is what most people screw up. Less is more, less is more with thumbnails. If you confuse the eye, the, the user will scroll past it. Don't ever confuse the eye. And I would like to see you bigger. I want to see you closer to the, the lens or just have uh, the graphic designer zoom in on you so I can get more emotion with the, the majority of users on YouTube mobile. Right. And you gotta, you, I, I, need, I need to connect with you. I need to connect with you in order to convince me to, to click. Right. But you mentioned that you promoted it to your email list for future reference. I would hold off 30 days. Interesting. How come 30 days? Because you need to live, let the YouTube AI do what it does better than anything else on the planet. What did you just tell the YouTube AI? You told them the machine because the machine low engagement. The, the, mach, the machine doesn't know that this is good content or bad content. The machine is measuring human behavior, and you sent the wrong traffic to the video. The, uh, the YouTube AI assumes it's crap content and it, it limits uh, the video. Good morning, marketers. We are back this time. We have uh, we have four people on the call. We got Tom. Yo. We got Yaro. What's up? And Andrew's back. What's going on, gentlemen? So uh, Andrew's back by popular demand because um, all the ladies want to know what happened to Andrew. So, uh, but Andrew wants everyone to know that he's got a girlfriend. He's committed. Thanks for that, Matt. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. He just let us all know that he's completely committed. Start again. (laughs) Yeah. So on this episode, we are doing a little bit, um, a little bit of a change. So as we were discussing, we're going to do a little bit of news as well as a little bit of teaching, so uh, everyone can come along for the ride. I thought it would also be interesting to kind of tell people kind of behind the scenes what we've been doing and working on uh, to make this show um, happen. Um, so originally we wanted the show to be a complete new show about, you know, the creator economy, um, news ha- that matters for marketers and publishers. But because of the, our time between filming and the time we get stuff out, it's very difficult to keep up with current events. So we're kind of doing news that's kind of like happening like within this time sphere but uh, it's harder to hit on these on these trends so that's why we're kind of going to change it up a bit until we can get a bit faster with our editing process and our distribution and so on uh with that being said uh let's get into the first story all right why does everybody love andrew tate so i brought up andrew tate to you guys and um i know i think yarrow and andrew you guys don't really know andrew tate tom kind of has an idea from his fighting career I just discovered him not too long ago. So I'm going to fill you guys in a little bit about Andrew Tate. So about two months ago, my, my, uh, my cousin, who's out in Ontario, he asked me my opinion on Andrew Tate. And he wanted to join his mastermind or his program or something. So I was like, I don't know who that is. And then he sends it to me. He's like, you don't know who this is? And he sends me the stuff. And I look at it. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, he's a fighter. Maybe he's good. I watched a few of his videos. And I was like, how much is this program? And he told me it was like 50 bucks a month. I'm like, oh yeah, like 50 bucks a month, go for it. Like, what do you got to lose? When he told me it was like, I can't remember how he called it, like a mastermind or something. I thought he was going to spend like a lot of money on it. And he's not an experienced marketing person. He's, he's new, right? 
So I, and I thought he was going to spend like five, 10 grand, right? So I was like 50 bucks. I'm like, go for it. Any community is good because, you know, community is a great way to kind of network, meet with people, right? Then fast forward, you know, the next few weeks, I keep getting people sending me these Andrew Tate, these ridiculous Andrew Tate takes, right? Uh, my girlfriend was sending me these things too. And so she used to just refer to him as the stupid guy. So anytime she's like, oh, the stupid guy said whatever, right? We just knew who the stupid guy was, right? And so then, um, you know, I start seeing everyone starts talking about Andrew Tate in the last like few weeks, right? And so I start kind of really looking at his content and, and I think he's, you know, very funny and people are always questioning whether he's acting or he's being serious. And then he ends up on the, the Full Send podcast with the Nelk Boys. And uh, after I watched that, I was like, Andrew Tate is definitely a uh, top G. So there's uh, a few things to love and hate about him. So what I think is interesting is that he's very polarizing, okay? He's very much on the masculine energy side of things. And, um, and I think that he is, he's definitely purposely saying things to kind of get a reaction from people right? Uh, saying somewhat offensive things. He even says, yeah, he's like, yeah, call me a sexist. I'm a sexist, you know? And he'll just say some ridiculous stuff. Who calls the police on Joe? Cat owners. I mean, if you're a really good friend, no, not even if you're a friend, you bet. If you're my friend, you just can't be a Well, I had a heart attack. Get up. Bodybuilding is a beauty pageant where dudes try their best to put on muscle so other dudes can say, you're the best looking dude. It's gay. I want you to listen to a song and every... 11 to 12 seconds, say, oh my God, over it. And after an hour, I guarantee you feel like murdering someone. All right, so you guys haven't seen all this crazy stuff yet, right? And I know after the show, you guys are going to go watch it. Uh, but what's your take on, on getting attention by just saying crazy stuff and being polarizing? I'll, I'll, uh, I'll kick things off. I, I definitely saw a few shocking comments. I, um, I saw him make, uh, and I mean, I, I'm just coming across Andrew Tate recently for the very, I'd never heard of the guy before. And I was having a conversation with this uh, big YouTuber that mentioned the name and mentioned it in a derogatory kind of way. So I'm like, okay, what the hell is this? What's this all about? So I did a little bit of digging, found out that he made some comment about how he would never provide CPR to a man in distress because he thinks it's too gay. <laughs> uh, like for, former first responder here, Coast Guard rescue diver, <laughs> firefighter, you name it. And, uh, and a lot of my friends are gay. And I'm like, you know, so saying these outlandish, shocking things, I think it's a, it's a puff of smoke. I think it's a freaking puff of smoke. I think he's, he's here today. He'll be gone tomorrow. That's how I feel about it. Really? Okay. Because he also said that he was on a flight and the, the pilot was female. So he got off the flight because he's like, women can't drive cars. How am I going to trust them to drive my plane? Right? So I think, so what it is, is like, you know how there's like extreme feminist and there's a lot of extreme feminism kind of, you know, I will say in our culture and on the internet from my perspective, what I've seen anyways. Right? Um, but there's not a lot of extreme masculinity. Right. Is, is this extreme masculinity though, uh, Matt? I don't think it is. <laughs> That's what do you extreme. think it is? He he's he's like uh, he's almost like. Have you ever seen the Chad meme? No. The Chad C H A D. I think Chad. No, what's that? It's like the Chad meme. He's like a living Chad meme. I'm not going to make people do homework. I, I I think that that should pull up. It's like this idea of like this archetypal man, and it's kind of just super over the top. And it comes from, you know, it's, so it's like one of those just strange memes, but I almost feel like he's almost like um, acting out 
what that type of character would be in real life. Does that make sense with his comments? They're so over the top. Like a, a, Johnny, you know, a Johnny Bravo, Dan Bazarian. Yeah. That, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hearing you. Yeah. yeah. American dad. But what's funny yeah. is that he'll say crazy things, but he also <laughs> says things that make a lot of sense, right? Like I saw a clip of him saying, if aliens come to Earth, they're going to be like, humans are so stupid. We're just, we're still fighting over the color of our skin, Right. It, you know, and then he, there's other stuff like uh, business-wise advice that he's actually, you know, I think is pretty good. I think his audience is going to be the young 20-somethings. I don't know what you call that, the Gen Gen Ys or whatever. And so some people are concerned that he's having too much influence on some young men who might take some of these statements very seriously and then be derogatory towards women, which would not be a good thing, right? But there's also that other the flip side of like, you know, there's that famous book. It's called uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy because a lot of guys have like nice guy syndrome. I haven't read the book. I just am aware of a lot of guys um, um, uh, referencing that book. There's some guys that are just like too nice, whereas he's like a complete asshole, right? So I think it creates this kind of like uh, this pull, you know? Like, you know, even like in politics where we've it's become very divided. It's like everyone's gone really far to either the right or the left, right? And there's not so much more like... Uh, people within the middle and, and, you know, who are controlling the politics right now. Right. So I feel like that's why what he's doing, I personally think it's important. I think it's great. Even though I don't agree with what he's saying, I don't think he agrees. I think he is just in a sense, messing with people. Right. And just doing, he's getting a lot of exposure and uh, he's making these statements and having people kind of have conversations and question whether they agree or don't agree. And for the most part, a lot of these crazy things, even I saw Joe Rogan talk about him, um, uh, Patrick Vaughn Davis from uh, Valuetainment, H3H3. A lot of really big influencers, very respectful people are all saying, this is really good. You know, it's really good that he's saying these things, creating these conversations. And for the most part, he's a comedian. He's joking, right? He's not, people are taking him too seriously. You just said before, Matt, that he was making a comment about aliens and therefore making a statement about like, we're still fighting about color of our skin which seems very pro progression but then he's getting off a plane where he's afraid that a woman's flying it which is the other end of the spectrum yeah so first of all i don't give like it, clearly it's not about credibility he just wants to inflame opinions and and get attention that's the way i would look at that which is such an old playbook i mean you guys in the America got a president using that playbook. I think it's, you know, it's fair to say Donald Trump just constantly use that uh, where you're going to pick something polarizing, get a lot of press coverage, got a lot of people talking about you. And it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad, it's attention. And then away you go. No such thing as bad publicity, the oldest statement about PR ever. Um, I, I think, though, it's worrying, like you said, if people start to believe that and then it does reinforce stereotypes that are not good for society. And also it makes it seem like everyone should be allowed to say anything they want and not have any kind of ramifications. Like it's different if, well, I have trouble with comedians because I never understand why a comedian can stand on stage and say ridiculous things that you would never say to someone in a conversation and have it be okay. Yet it's okay on a comedic stage. And even that's like, where's the line drawn? So um, for marketing purposes, if, if we just talk about marketing, sure, I think it's it's very smart and it works. But I would not want to be that person who's uh, having to talk about what I say all the time and defend something or, you know, th I mean, that's why I'm not a comedian on stage as well. So. 
Well, comedy, good, good, good comedy is about, or I won't say good comedy. I'll just say comedy at one level, one level of comedy. I don't know if it's good, but it's, it's about punching up. Cause like you, you know, it's like comedy punching down. That's not really comedy, you know? So I think part of the, the, the role of the comedian in a way is punching up at whatever that is. And sometimes that's the state or whatever, or the king, you know, yeah. if we're talking like old court gesture style. Right. But it's, it's, that's, there's definitely a role that's to be played there. Um, you know, if, if that makes sense, uh, as somebody who can, who can speak up and punch up whatever that is. Yeah. I was at the Andrew Schultz, um, show and he was talking about how it, when people come to a comedy show, they all let go of, you know, whatever they get offended, their beliefs or whatever they get offended about. And you just go there to relax and just have fun and joy. And it's, it's a way to kind of let go and be accepting of everybody and everyone's ideas. He said mm -hmm. it in a more elegant way, but I thought that was also a very powerful statement. Other thing, just on the, on the marketing side of Andrew Tate, what I think is really great too, is that he's, because he's saying so much crazy stuff, he's like uncancelable. Like you can't cancel him because he's, he's said so much crazy stuff that it's like, mm -hmm. if he Trump cared. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but also on the marketing side, what he's been doing is, um, uh, when you join his community or mastermind, I don't know which level, either at the $50 a month or his other thing, which I think he said was $5,000 a year. What he does is he gets people to do tasks. And then I think when you pay 5,000 a year, he said that you can be kicked out at any time if you don't perform. So you have to do certain things, keeps people accountable, which I think is very interesting. I don't know. I didn't look that deep into like what the program involves, but what he does is he allows everyone in his community to use his content and create their own channels and profiles. So he does have his own profiles, but there's probably hundreds, right? I think he mentioned how many members he had was, I forget, but it was in the several thousands of members that he has in this 50 bucks a month thing. Um, but there's so many profiles posting his content. That's how he's everywhere. That's how he got so big so fast. This all happened in the last like three months. And so now even if he gets canceled and they delete his channel or whatever, right? There's still hundreds of channels with Andrew Tate's content. So it's like they have to go around trying to find all these channels and, you know, remove them for all these various reasons. Like, what are they going to do? Just remove anything with Andrew Tate? You know? Keyword, Andrew Tate, delete. <laughs> right. You know, so that's why it's going to be very hard to get him off the internet because he just lets everybody just use his content, which is great, right? You look at yeah. like how Gary Vee does it too. Gary Vee has, there's a few fan channels of people taking Gary Vee's content, spinning it, you know, yeah. so on. So it's a very interesting strategy. Yeah, I don't think the, the few negative, like not the few negative, I don't think any negative thing that anyone says immediately makes you a bad person. But I do believe at my core core that there's no sustainability in tearing anyone down. Whether you're tearing women down, animals down, people of different color down, people of different religious backward, uh, uh, backgrounds down, there's no sustainability. I, I mean, we could, we're just going to end up talking in circles, I think, but... I can, I can uh, immediately pull out like 12 examples of people who build up. They, they, their, brand, uh, uh, their brand will trump the other person that is tearing other people down. I'm, I, I ju that's just how I believe in, in, my, in my fundamental understanding of marketing because positive energy, there's just no beating positive energy. If you're a negative energy type person and your days are numbered, that's just how I feel about it. I don't know if he's a bad person. I don't know him. But the few things well, that I've learned about what he says... I don't, I don't agree with this. Approach. What's funny about it is that, uh, you know, he does, uh, uh, I would say talk down about women. And I think I don't like that part of it as well, but when he was on the full Sam podcast, he explained very explicitly how he was basically ripping off men. He had, he runs, a um, uh, well, he ran a company where, uh, he had like, um, webcam girls that were basically scamming, you know, rich guys for millions of dollars. He said he was making over a million dollars a week. 
you know? So it's like, this is pretty bad. I would say that's pretty unethical, but, and then the police were after him, whatever. And then that's why he stopped, <laughs> you know, it's like, but he's just fully admitting this whole thing on the, on the podcast, which again, I admire that. Like he just, you can't, you know, he's not going to coffee. Zilla is not going to make a video exposing him. He just exposed himself, you know? <laughs> So I, you know, I really appreciate someone who just doesn't care about getting canceled and it just, you know, he's unapologetically himself and whatever his opinions are. I don't agree with all of his opinions. I just like the, the approach and I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, uh, he's there. And I think, uh, at this point, he's an important person on the internet right now. That's my, I, I do agree that he is the top G. <laughs> Right. Oh, yeah. And sorry. Last thing here. Uh, uh, Tom found this that apparently he's going to be fighting um, Jake Paul. So he did talk about potentially uh, whether he would fight Jake Paul or not. And he was saying about what if it was worth the money and this and that. I think that Jake Paul will kick Andrew Tate's ass. That's my my prediction. But uh, we'll see if that actually happens. Yeah, it looks like it could be an interesting uh, pair up. Because again, I feel like Andrew Tate kind of came out of left field. Like I don't it's all of a sudden, yeah. right? I think that's like, it's the last three like, months. I don't know. I guess he's been going for a yeah, while. Yeah. yeah. yeah right. So kind of out of nowhere and it's like this rising, this rising flame or whatever it is. And, and to meet with Jake Paul, I think there's a lot of marketing power behind those two names meeting like in clash. Well, he, you know, he called out, which is yeah, just he interesting. called out Jake Paul for a fight, like a few months right. ago when he was on the full send podcast, I asked him about it. Like, would you fight him? And then he's like, I would have to train for six months and this and that. He's like, I'm already making millions of dollars. It's not worth it, but I would, you know, that sort of thing. So I think probably the amount of exposure he would get if he fights Jake Paul, personally, I think that would be the biggest matchup um, for like YouTuber matchup sort of thing, right? It, I think it, it, it yeah. will be to the level of uh, Logan Paul fighting um, Mayweather. Anyway, right. I think it's probably the the number one person that Jake Paul could fight right now is, is going to be Andrew Tate. So it'd be interesting um, if that actually happens. So um, Andrew Tate was on the Full Send podcast. We just mentioned that. Also, Full Send podcast just had Elon Musk on as well. So the podcast is apparently the the number one podcast um, out right now. I think it's like Joe Rogan and and uh, and Full Send podcast. So I think it's very interesting that um, uh, they they had uh, a co-host. So. Full Send Podcast is run by the Nail Boys, uh, Kyle um, Forgard. He's the main host. And when they first started it, they started it with uh, another guy named Bob Menry, right? We've talked about Bob Menry in the past. He, is, uh, he's, he got popular creating um, sports videos where he was doing commentary over it, posting videos on Instagram. But his comment, he has a really good commentary voice, but he was making like a funny uh, commentary, right? Like inappropriate commentary. That's how he kind of first got started. So, um, he was originally one of the co-hosts and he recently just no longer the co-host and, um, and now, uh, Bradley Martin is, took his place as a new co-host and Steiny, who Steiny used to be, um, uh, Steve will do assistant who is now part of the full send podcast. Right. So what's interesting is that after he left, they didn't say anything about why he left. He just episode came out. He's just gone, right? So everyone starts questioning what happened to Bob Menry. And I was very curious about this. One of the reasons I want to bring this up, as I've mentioned this before, is that a lot of times when we cover what's going on with uh, with the Nelk Boys, um, in some of our most popular videos. And I'm I'm a big fan of the Nelk Boys. I've been watching them since they they had first started. I watch all the all the stuff. I know it's very uh, immature for my age, but I really <laughs> like their their style and content. I think it's funny. So I did a little bit of digging into what happened, and I remember that. Um, 
I forget who they were talking to, but I remember um, they had mentioned. I, oh, it was uh, it was when they were talking to um, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Rick Ross. They had an interview with Rick Ross, and then they had mentioned that um, Bob Menery was getting a hundred thousand dollars a year. I think it was a year for being the the co-host, and I was surprised. And then they were making a joke about how he wanted two hundred fifty thousand. And then, and then Kyle was like, no way. So there was a little banter back and forth about it. And I was like, surprisingly. Matt, yeah. I just want to say I want to raise, uh, not earning enough <laughs> yeah. money from the show. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. So, but I couldn't believe that there, that he's getting a hundred thousand dollars to be a co-host. And then it was like making him more popular to be there. I was like, I couldn't believe that that's how much that somebody would get paid for that. Right. I was surprised he was even getting a hundred and the way that Kyle was kind of making the joke, like there's no way you're getting 250, but it seemed like that's what he wanted. And he's, you know, he's more ambitious. He wants to, you know, make more money. So what I think, this is my prediction based on what I've observed is I think that he was trying to get more money fighting over it. Some, some sort of conflict happened and then Kyle ended up booting him off the show. And then I know that they're, that they're not friends about it anymore because uh, Bob unfollowed the Full Scent podcast, unfollowed Kyle, but he still uh, followed everybody else from the team. <laughs> he started his, a new podcast and, uh, and, uh, and he's uh, basically uh, promoting weed and selling weed through his new podcast. And he posted a few stories talking about how he's like, yeah, I know I'm, I'm in a low side now, but, you know, I'm going to come back up. I've been here before. So he's definitely not happy about the fact that he's no longer on the show. And then, then uh, Steiny made like an off-the-cuff comment to Kyle um, on the episode with Andrew Tate about how um, he could be fired at any time or something like that. It was kind of like a joke. So... Yeah, so uh, I, there's definitely some uh, some conflict going on. Uh, I saw uh, Cel- uh, Celeb Magazine had an article stating that it was because he was using drugs and in rehab, and I think that that is not correct. So I got this on, on my on my screen right now. It, isn't this the uh, the same story as to why Andrew was not here on this show for a week or two? <laughs> Like some kind of fight between drugs. you two or doing drugs or something like that? <laughs> no. I, I wish I was that controversial. I, I'm so boring. <laughs> I'm the total opposite. Um, it, you, this is an interesting subject, though, because I would love to, I, like, this is all speculation for me. I don't know the story uh, at all, and, I, and I'm, I, I don't actually consume their content on a regular basis. But Matt has shared a lot about the Nelk Boys with me over uh, the last, uh, you know, half a year or so. And, and I know they, they're very successful at what they do, but... Um, compensating content creators, uh, whether you're a brand or a partnership or whatever, how do you value that? Like that, that's actually an interesting conversation to have. So he was getting, let's say he was getting hundred K a year and he felt his value was, you know, two and a half X that. Uh, and, and if that was really the case, which, uh, prompted his exit from the show, well, then how do we actually accurately, uh, evaluate, um, a, a host, a co-host, a content creator's mm-hmm. value to the the brand. Like that's that's actually a really difficult question to answer. I don't know how they would have broke that conversation down. Yeah, you know. On that note, I was listening to a podcast, um, Jimmy Fallon, on the uh, How I Built This Show, and I was actually really shocked when I heard Jimmy Fallon, or maybe it was um, Guy Raz, the host, say that um, two hundred million dollars a year is how much the late show uh, with Jimmy Fallon actually makes. And I was like, okay, I'm trying to figure out where it all comes from. Is it that, you know, TV is not what it used to be. So again, similar to what Andrew's saying, how do you value Jimmy? If Jimmy goes, does that money drop in value or, you know, depends who you replace the, 
the host with. And then from Jimmy's point of view, like knowing that the show makes 200 million a year, you know, what do you ask for in a salary? You know, you know, you've got a lot of leverage, you'd have to think there. Once again, I feel very underpaid here, Matt. So uh, we're going to have a salary conversation at some point soon. Well, unfortunately, this show makes absolutely no money. So we almost got our first sponsor. I want to share my nothing. <laughs> we, got, we almost got our first sponsor. Someone asked if we would promote their tool. And I was like, uh, sure. I'm like, how about like a hundred bucks? And then at first they said yes. And they're like, oh, maybe next episode. There's like a small, like it was like a URL shortener thing. I, I that's I just sad, wanted the hundred bucks to be like, yes. we got our first sponsor. Yeah. Let's not get a sponsor until we can charge a thousand. I don't like a hundred just sounds sad. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted yeah. to just feel like we got a sponsor. <laughs> You'd have to be really sad about. You'd have to be really sad yeah. about talking about the sponsor for only hundred dollars. Yeah, you know, one off, hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, so I don't know if you guys want to open it up. Uh, you can, you know, just follow the link to Be Real. That's B E R E A L. It is the number one downloaded app in the social networking category on uh, iTunes or your app, your iPhone. Um, and you know, I've, I've been hearing a little bit about this. It's kind of a, a counterculture play we all know what social media is like at the moment it's uh tiktok and instagram and we're basically not being real on those platforms and this app is saying use this share a photo be real but the twist on this and this is the part i think is great but also might be the reason why it never becomes a serious player in the social media apps is you have one uh, like you have the app installed you get a notification once a day and it tells you this is your two minute window to take a photo it uses your camera the front and the back to show what you're really doing in that moment and anyone you follow does the same thing at the same time so you can imagine all four of us get the app we all get told at like whatever 3 30 p.m in the afternoon go take a photo whatever you're doing you could be sitting on the toilet you could be out hiking you know whatever it is you take a photo and we're seeing what you really are doing in life um, i'm not sure why it's taken off maybe people just like the the limitation of it it's not too much content the reality of it only connecting with your friends you know you're not necessarily following superstars which i'm sure if it takes off you will start following superstars and see what they're doing in that moment but um yeah i don't know if it's uh, a trend or here to stay yeah you remember we were on on a call we we're chatting about a different project and uh and i was talking about having you know, uh, artificial limitations to try mm. to force users to use the product in a certain way. I think this is really interesting. Um, I think anytime launching any app, it always has to have these artificial artificial limitations. When Instagram first started, it was just photos and filters and that was it, right? Then they expand to more things, right? When um, Twitter first started, it was 140 characters and that was it, right? Hashtags were not even a thing. Um, I think you only tag people with the at symbol, I think, but there was no hashtags, Links counted towards the the character limit. That's why short URLs became a thing, right? And it expanded over time, right? So I think that this is an interesting take. And I think it also tells us how to launch a social network. I've always thought that niche social networks are going to be the future. And niche being like a social network for a particular type of community, right? Maybe a social network just for people who love biking or just for hiking or like stuff like that, right? But looking at this, and it's kind of like it's niche, but it's niche in, in the way that you use it and kind of like, yeah, uh, forces you to use it in a certain way, which I think is very interesting. I think I would use this. Well, it's like, uh, it reminds me of Snapchat a little bit. I mean, right? What's the use case for Snapchat when it first came out? It's like, so so wait a second, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to see that message I sent again, ever again. It just goes away. Like for me, I just feel like, isn't that 
anti-value, like there's no value in that from a text message standpoint, but it's a totally different use case, right? So it's like this idea of disappearing, whatever. So it's like that blew up well enough where I see something like this, if it has the virality built into it, it's like obviously fulfilling somebody's niche use case. And I don't know, it reminds me of Snapchat. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, but Snapchat, I'm not a heavy user. I installed it once and I never, I'm not young enough to to get onto it. But I, I thought the initial reason Snapchat took off was teenagers basically want to share private part photos, you know, dick pics and so on with each other and not get caught having those images on their phones or getting in trouble by the police for sharing underage photography. And thankfully, the photographs disappear. So that was kind of like one of the initial use cases of Snapchat. There's That's a story. There's no way that the growth strategy <laughs> well, for Snapchat was dick pics. <laughs> for, for y'all, he's like, I just but no it was more like it was it was <laughs> well yeah both you know whatever you're into but i, I mean i i feel like i think that's a story that, I'm not that might be it's a, story. a little bit there might i mean there because i think yeah well you know the thing is i think there's a lot of you you know utility in snapchat when you use it to to send messages to people that you do know and it is it could just be real um low and low like low burden like there's a lot of burden that comes with social media sites. Like I have to make this perfect. It's going to be out there. People are going to see this. And I just think with how like fleeting the internet actually is in some ways and even social media, it's like, I think it, people want to lighten that burden. Like I don't want to have to be committed to all this thing. I think Matt said it earlier. Uh, so committed to it um, yeah. full time. It's like one snap a day. I think people can get their minds around that and they'd be like, oh, that's a good time for me to be social. Now I move on with my day and it's not controlling me. Like, I think it's interesting to see apps in some cases, trend toward that, like less, less I think, intrusion. I think be, re- if that be makes real sense. is just um, like, if you think of things like a pendulum and things go too far one direction, there's just that. Uh, the, and the further the pendulum goes that direction, there's more force pushing it the opposite way. Right. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I like the fact that there's a, an entire social platform built around the authenticity and transparency around that. But we've, I, th- I feel like I, I guess it just depends on how much traction Be Real uh, gets, but I've already seen that transpire amongst uh, around YouTube and social media platforms and whatnot because I think people are burnt out with like this overly fake uh, view that they have of their their networks' lives, um, the over overly filtered fiti- videos and uh, and uh, photos. Um, there are certain influencers that were caught like photoshopping themselves in Paris, and they weren't even in anywhere near Paris because the Photoshop job was just so bad. Um, I was in a very serious relationship with someone at one point was where she projected one thing on social media and it was completely different in real life. <laughs> and, uh, and that's that def and I know I'm not the only one, I'm not the only one that's ever, that's been in, exposed to that kind of duality of someone publicly being one person and privately being someone else. And I think it's because of, uh, a situation like mine and, and many, many others, uh, people are are uh, just not looking at social media with the, uh, uh, they're looking at social media through a different filter now with their own, like, yeah, like, like yeah. people, people are, and, and there's a trend now where people are showing like the before and after of filtering or like, this is me real right now. If it's like a fitness channel or something, they're showing them their, 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 their actual um, selfie image when they're not posed and then a posed picture just to show how different um uh, they appear when uh, when they're actually prepared for the the content to be captured or not i think it's an interesting subject for sure i recommend if you guys get a chance uh, watch on uh, apple the uh magic johnson documentary series that's just uh 
been released recently. And also, <laughs> I think it's another one on Showtime. Well, it's called Showtime. I think it's not sure where you'd watch it. Here in Canada, it's on Crave. Um, also about like the L.A. Showtime, um, Magic Johnson. And Magic in the documentary series talks about how there's two personalities. There's Magic, the basketball player, the performer. And then there's Irvin Johnson, the, the human being when he's you know with friends and family. And I think this goes back to, uh, I can't remember the name of it. There's a a book and a coach around this idea of when you perform a role, you want to embody a character and, and like you're almost transforming yourself into something else. Like, you know, you, I am a professional athlete and I'm, I'm embodying that. And uh, there's, there's a term uses for it. I wish I could remember um, who it is, but I like that idea because it creates a framework for this is how I perform in this situation, but I don't have to be that all the time. And that's even for leveling up, like, you know, you don't want to be a peak performer all the time, but you want to level up if it's like you're an athlete or something like, you know, recording a podcast with you guys. This is not my real personality. I, you know, I'm completely different in real life now. I'm pretty sure this is this is very similar to who I am, but I'm sure you guys are exactly the same <laughs> when I talk to you in person. Um, but I, I do want to, and maybe this is a bit of a segue, uh, not to change topics on you guys here, but I it triggered this thought when we were talking about this idea of being a different personality and the polished nature of social media where you, people are prepping things. And someone made a comment on a podcast I was recently listening to. I think it was um, on the Decoder show by The Verge. And he talked about how YouTube is still the only like social video channel where they directly share revenue and we know how much you get. It's like 55% goes to the creator and 45% goes to uh, the platform itself. And no other of these social media platforms actually directly stipulate and give a share of their revenue. And when I think about, you know, Be Real launching and then the Snapchat we were talking about, TikTok, I, it's even funny to think about Twitter. It's like Twitter's never ever going to share anything of their revenue with you because they barely make a profit themselves. And I was thinking like it is a unique moment in time when we have a platform though like YouTube where we can directly get paid for sharing video content without having to do anything else. We don't have to do a brand deal. We don't have to sell a course or coaching or a physical product, do e-commerce, you know, direct DTC, anything like that. We just publish videos and if they go far, we make money. And that's kind of like the previous dream we had with television, right? You'd get on TV, you'd make a lot of money. And now the barrier to that with YouTube has dropped. But I have to say all the other social platforms not doing that makes me wonder why do we bother with all the other social platforms too? Why don't we just focus on YouTube and, you know, go big where they pay you? Yeah, it's interesting too. I've been noticing on YouTube that um, if you, you could get traffic and views with YouTube alone. You don't like we, we have this whole distribution thing with social media and trying to send traffic back to the YouTube videos. It doesn't make a huge impact. You know, if we just make better content, have really good thumbnails, there's certain things I think within the videos that we, we need in order to like kind of make it successful and you're consistent with your uploading and so on. Like you will just grow on YouTube if you just do it for a long time and you, you do the right things, right? You don't need to have an email list or a website or some right. uh, existing audience, right? You could just start uploading as long as you upload good content, you know, fo- you know, follow certain, um, you know, parameters within that, which, you know, like we were posting on Twitter, um, you know, posting multiple times per day. And what I noticed is that when we first started, we were getting lots of traction. And as we kept on going, we were getting almost none. And I had realized that if you don't engage in Twitter and talk with people and you're not, the algorithm wants to see you responding and engaging with people, you can't just broadcast, right? Mm-hmm. 
So as soon as they see you're just broadcasting, they maybe assume you're spamming or whatever it is, and they just shut off your reach. Same thing on Facebook pages, right? You post on there, it's like if you don't pay for ads, boost your posts or whatever, you're getting basically no traction at all, right? And so, uh, and I think the same thing is like on Instagram, you need to be going there on Instagram, leave comments, kind of get people back to your profile. You can't just post on there and use hashtags and expect to blow up. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I'd like to actually respond to what Yaro just said there. I couldn't agree. Couldn't agree with you more. I, I believe the, the monetization model at YouTube is the end, the largest envious aspect from all the other platforms. And I, I think it's a little short-sighted of them not to adopt the YouTube monetization model. Like clearly it works. They're doing quite well. <laughs> all kinds of content creators are, and no one should ever put all of, uh, all of their income, uh, uh eggs in one basket, so to speak, right? If you're depending solely on YouTube ad revenues for your for your mo- your business model or your income, then that is kind of a risky stipulation, which is why people do brand deals and affiliate marketing and all these other, you know, distribute uh, uh, your income revenue sources into multiple f- sources so that uh, if any one thing disrupts any one of those aspects, then you're, you're still going to be okay. But, um, but yeah, the, the monetization model at YouTube works it, and it's being dialed constantly. And I mean, just recently they made a huge announcement with the the integration with Spotify. Now people can uh, purchase your goods right from your YouTube channel, which was a huge, huge You mean Shopify, deal. not Spotify. Shopify. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I meant to say. Yeah, thank you. I always yeah. did that too. <laughs> Very similar. What do you guys think of TikTok getting into music? Uh, that was a bit of news. I should share an article about it, but they're <clears> rolling out a, a Spotify competitor potentially based on some of their trademarks they've filed. So uh, I saw a story about this, how uh, I think TikTok has uh, licensed a catalog of music for people to use um, in TikTok and that Facebook has been encouraging or Facebook, Instagram, Meta has been encouraging users to remix TikToks and post them on Instagram and Facebook. And now there's a lawsuit from this company. I should try to find the name of this company um, because they are suing Facebook for encouraging people to use music in which they don't have a license to post on Meta's platform, mm-hmm. right? So I think part of TikTok's angle to go into music is because they're already paying for the licensing for all this uh, music content for people <clears throat> to be able to use in TikTok. So now they can monetize it if they create a music platform such as Spotify. That's really interesting. I had no idea yeah. that was happening. I'm um, fascinating. I love thinking about big platforms, you know, like the music, who, who owns music, who owns mm. video content, who owns written content, you know, like where, where's, where's the, uh, <clears throat> the big distribution channels and, and how to create a new one. Like the fact that TikTok came around abound and, and now, you know, now is a big player. Um, but I think today it's been interesting to listen to so many commentators talk about the Chinese factor on TikTok and this idea like you were, I know we don't have it for a show today, but you know, Joe Rogan going on about all the, the, the actual rules inside terms and service when you sign up for TikTok and how they're basically able to access your everything you do with your phone plus crazy stuff like the the computers that your phone used to be connected to they can access to and I, I'm not sure what's legit and what's not but and there's lots of other apps that allow you to access similar you know resources on your computer so it's not unique to TikTok but I listen to Jason Kalkanis and he is anti-China anti-TikTok he thinks they should be taken off the you know the american uh, app store and not we shouldn't have tiktok and we should just have tiktok and on instagram and wherever else and uh i can see the the argument with 
this idea like right now i was thinking you know you and i four of us here if we had tiktok on our phones they know where we are uh they know what apps we're opening um i just don't know like i'm trying to think of the mat like the evil you know james bond villain <laughs> plan that the chinese have <laughs> with all of our tiktok data what are, what are they actually going to do to all of us with this you know like, well i think the uh, argument was that they could figure out like for certain people what what are they working on yeah and, then, and, and they could mass direct social behaviors like they could you know get trump into yeah and i, I agree with that just as facebook is social can do it and instagram can do it i mean i was watching the philippine elections and i was surprised to hear it basically was based on whoever had the largest budget to run Facebook ads could win the Philippine elections. And I was like, wow, that's a little scary to think about. I'm not sure how true that is, but that part I, I can see based on history. We, we know television, magazines, radio, that used to be what dictated mass opinion. And, and frankly, most people just follow whatever they hear and listen to. And now social media is that voice. So if we keep hearing like, uh, People like Matt, who who's really loves Andrew Tate, and Andrew Tate might be a mad dictator, but he's just, you know, fall in love with the guy because of social. I could see how there's a lot of Matts out there, and suddenly, you know, Matt becomes, Andrew becomes president, and, uh, you know, he becomes an authoritarian and starts invading Canada. And I'm in Canada, and I don't like that. So, you know, so, right. so like, the, thing, uh, the thing about that is that you could find that sort of sentiment already without needing your own tool, right? Like, you don't have to build your own social network to figure that out. You can You could find that data. What, what people are, are thinking that China is doing is that let's just say they find out Yaro is working on a new technology product, right? They could use the data directly from your phone and all the data they're getting from you to find out everything you're doing, get all your documents and basically steal your IP and then launch before you basically copy what you're doing before you do it, right? Let's say Elon Musk is using TikTok on his phone and they want to know everything Elon Musk is up to, who he's messaging, all that kind of stuff. So they, they, I've heard people say that China has like the, the, the biggest like intelligence, uh, technology, something, you know, that sort of spot. Yeah. So it's like, they don't care about us talking on good morning marketers, but, oh, but you know, anytime there's someone out there, they're like, Oh, that's interesting. Let's see what that person's up to. And then ding, they go right into your stuff. The way that Facebook explains is that they don't identify you as a person. So you're, you're just a, mm -hmm. a, a, a number, right? They don't know who you are. They just know, that this number associates to this type of data, but you are not specifically identified. So I think that what what the concern is with TikTok is that you are you're specifically identified, and there's a lot more that they're getting, like your keystrokes, everything you're typing in your phone. I think there's a lot of apps that do that. I don't think TikTok is the only one. No, I think a lot the of keystroke thing is scary though. Like I remember uh, back in the early days of online dating, I had a buddy. And his girlfriend, who he met through online a, dating, a buddy, sure, a buddy. A, yeah. no, 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 he re he really was a friend. We all do he online dating. Did. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Hey, I'm I'm a veteran of online dating, but <laughs> okay. he was there before we had apps. He was using like Craigslist and things like that. I'm like, whoa, this is the next level, right? <laughs> um, he he, in, yeah, he introduced me to this, <laughs> and he was he had like He's the early well chats going on with women all around <laughs> the world, right? And uh, but he had a girlfriend he got from doing this, and then the relationship kind of soured. She moved, like she flew in to move in with him and his mother. It's a great story, and uh, <laughs> this girlfriend put a key tracker on his computer and he was still chatting to other women on aol and oh my God. boy did he get in a lot of trouble and then they broke up and she was stuck in the country i won't go into the story but i was like the key trackers just scare me because you type your passwords in 
Do you know Obviously. that you could do this with uh, an iPhone cable? I saw a video about this. There's mm. an iPhone cable that you can buy. And let's say, oh, hey, girlfriend, I gave you, here's a new iPhone cable for you, right? She uses it and then boom, you could track everything oh, on her phone. That's evil. Evil. Yeah, <laughs> it goes both ways. And there's apps you could install on your phone to prevent that from happening. So, but I think it's like not that well known about those types, but you should never use a cable that you don't know. It, I mean, granted, the person, that cable um, creates a network in the Wi-Fi. So let's just say like I send you your the cable. I can't I can't send you the cable and then boom I'm getting your data. I gotta have access to your Wi-Fi at the same time, right? So you come but, over after you've given me the cable. Yeah, or you come over to my place. I'm like, hey, you gotta charge your phone, buddy, right? And then as soon as you do that, I, I access all your data. So it's very <laughs> common, tone of like, voice there, Matt. You just sound evil. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I invite, hey, yeah, I invite man, all my friends got, over. Hey, guys, charge your, your phones. All, all <laughs> your TikTok videos. You charge your phones. But granted, I just want to let anyone listening to this like that is illegal, right? So you get caught on that. I don't know what the what the law is called, but it's completely illegal. Like you can be like uh, criminally charged for that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to do it. I got to jump in here. One of my best friends is a cybersecurity expert, uh, has uh, runs a very, very successful company, has for like the last nine or 12 years, something like that. And I directly asked him about everything that we're just talking about here, right? Because we're, we chat on a regular basis. I talked to him about TikTok. I talked to him about the whole conversation like Apple versus Android, that, will, that, that friction will never end. And it turns out none of that matters. It's all about the user behavior all about user behavior. And a lot of people claim that Apple devices are safer than Android, but are you updating your OS at every possible opportunity? Are you using the free Wi-Fi at the airport? Are you using the free Wi-Fi at the hotel? Are you doing all of these? Because guess what? It doesn't matter what device you're using, Android, Apple, or some Chinese version, you are at risk. And uh, yeah, he could not say enough bad things about TikTok. No, I do not have TikTok mm. or use TikTok. He scared the bejesus out of me on that mm. subject. Yeah, so I don't know if you guys are familiar with Ryan Trahan. He is like 22, 23-year-old kid, YouTuber, recently passed 10 million subscribers. And recently he blew up, uh, basically controlled the, the entire narrative over the internet because of a 30-day challenge that he went through. And because I'm crazy, I went to his channel and I first binge watched all of his penny challenge videos that he had done beforehand. And I, I learned something fascinating. Like I'm talking, I went back to the point where he, he was telling the, the viewer that he has like 2000 subscribers and he can't wait to hit 3000 subscribers. And it was, it was, I've been watching him for like over a year and I find yeah. him, he's very entertaining, very fascinating. Oh. So, and I was watching this whole series. I mean, I don't think I watched every single video, but I was following along with his journey and I know what he was doing. I also think it was interesting how he was making money. I don't know if you want to get into that, but I think he was teaching a lot of young people that like, you could make a hundred dollars a day just selling bottled water at the beach. <laughs> you and, know, it's like pretty interesting. That that's one of the beautiful things about about Ryan Trahan because he's proving to Gen Z, you don't need your parents. Yeah. You don't need a car. Yeah. You don't, you just need some hustle. Yeah. You need some grit. Yeah. You need, you need to yeah. get up and go. You need to take action. And, and I mean, millennials and Gen Zers take a lot of flack for being like, kind of like a, you know, insert your adjective, like you're the, the, the lazy generation or whatever. And I think it's people like Ryan Trahan that are, that are proving that wrong. And he's inspiring a lot of young people to get up off their, their butts and take action. Anyways, long story short, I was checking out these these earlier penny challenge videos and they were fascinating and you can tell that he was experimenting. You can, it's obvious. You can tell he was trying this, trying that, seeing what his audience uh, resonates with, seeing what's really working. Right. 
it's all about split testing what you're doing and what, if it works, double down and triple down. So after I got through all of those videos, and by the way, I watched his, uh, Ryan, you're not watching this, Ryan, but if you ever do, you got to fix your playlist, brother, because your playlist is in the wrong order. Just, <laughs> just saying, because I found that really, I was like, I was watching his penny playlist and he didn't have the videos in the right order. I'm like, oh, this is so annoying. Anyways. So uh, when I, 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 hopefully I meet him in September at uh, mid summit, I, I should be meeting him and I'm going to be like, dude, fix your playlist. <laughs> um, and then I started watching the, the 30 day challenge for those of you that aren't aware he started on the West Coast and he started with one penny and the clothes on his back. One penny and the clothes on his back. The main objective tying all of these videos together was to deliver a penny to Mr. Beast. Now, clearly he was uh, getting a lot of benefit over the celebrity status of Mr. Beast. Jimmy is a very famous YouTuber. If he was trying to deliver the penny to his mom, probably would not have gotten the same appeal, right? So that's step one. That's A, right? Like what's what's the main objective? What's the main goal that you, you can help that you can rally a lot of support that people want to see if you can actually accomplish this really crazy goal, starting like doing something extreme for so little from so little, like, a, like, like, didn't we get rid of the penny in Canada a few years ago? Like we don't even have a penny Canadians, right? Like, but the Americans still have a penny. And so that's what he started with. Right. So that's the main objective tying all of these videos together, the entire video series. That's the first thing that I learned from Ryan Trahan. The second thing is, he deployed a parallel goal, something that a community can rally behind, something that people can feel proud of themselves to participate in. What was his goal? Right, he, he, was, set, he was fundraising. He set a, a, a GoFundMe campaign to raise $100,000 for Feed in America. I don't want to spoil it for any of the viewers or listeners here. He, he smashes that goal like out of the water, right? And does exceptionally well. Where did he get to? He, you know, he got to over a million, right? Well, should we? Spoilers. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler. Uh, I mean, he, it's over, he, right? Well. Yeah. Well, I mean, someone might want to go watch, but he, uh, yeah, he ended up generating almost $1.4 million for feeding in America. And his goal was only hundred K. Like that's pretty incredible. And the, and uh, it wasn't just people um, calling in and, or uh, going to the link and donating, but it was like, Hey, if you don't have the money, just hit that subscribe, subscribe button of, and every new subscriber we gain this month, will will donate a penny. Guys, he got 2 million new subscribers that month. Okay, so can, main can objective. I, uh, Andrew, I want to ask you, because you, you've watched this so recently. Where is the tipping point for that? Because from 2,000 to 2 million is huge. So was there a an event, a, a PR piece, uh, someone else shared a video? Like, is there something you can point to that really made it take off? That's, that's a great question. And Wait, wait, wait. How many subscribers did he have before he started? Uh, it the penny challenge. It, it would have been around 7 or 8 million. And now he's over 10. Yeah, he got two million. Oh, so he, he got month. about three, two, three million in. in the okay, yeah, so yeah. he started with a really big base. So his probably his base is what, yeah, you know, kept sharing right. it. But still, to say that he gained twenty percent of his recent subscribers in a single month, no matter how big you are, that's that's impressive. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah he so. he was getting a lot of uh, press, positive press. He's a very positive person. I would say he has he never complains, criticizes, judges. He's a very positive, right? Uh, very charismatic. Uh, a lot of other YouTubers were talking about him and supporting him, either in Instagram stories and so on, right? And also, he had this thing where it was called the Great Reset, where you could reset him back to a penny if you donated. Was it was five thousand, fifty thousand. It's five thousand, fifty thousand, fifty thousand. So then, some big YouTubers were resetting him, and he got reset many times, right? So it didn't. Um, so it didn't that, matter where he was in the in the country. He didn't have to go back to California. He would stay where he was. 
But the point is, no matter how much money he had in his pocket, 200 bucks, 300 bucks, 500 bucks, it would reset him back to a penny. And dude, that was the third thing that I learned from Ryan Trahan. These are three really important concepts that any YouTuber or anybody with a YouTube channel should be paying close attention to because it completely revolutionized everything. You need some beats. You need some common denominators. You need some glue that sticks all of the, the videos together and creates some tension so that the viewer is, is compelled to watch the next release so that every time uh, the, the creator adds a video to the channel, I can't miss this. I need to know what happens next. The great reset that uh, Matt just referenced, everyone wanted to know, was he, was he going to be you know reset this episode, right? Because at the end of the episode, when he was going to bed, he'd open up his phone and he would take a look at the, uh, the donations. And sometimes the donations was over $50,000, but it was multiple like 5,000 sums. So you weren't, you weren't really sure yet if he was reset or not. And it created some tension. And, and plus the other aspect too is what's the enemy in this? What's the villain? Time. He, and it's doubt. It's the fear of like, can I do this? I'm so like, how many people would take on such a crazy audacious goal like this and put it out publicly so, so blatantly like that? Because he could have failed. He could have failed. He didn't. Thankfully, he didn't. And now it's just, uh, it's an amazing thing that happened that I think a lot of people need to be paying attention to because success leaves clues. So that's what I learned from Ryan Trahan. Yeah. Also the amount of he was, the fact that he was posting every day versus maybe he used to post like once a week or something like that, which also probably increased the amount of views. So yeah, I think it was uh, really amazing uh, watching it. And, uh, and I think he's going to inspire a lot more uh, creators to do similar. All right. Uh, yeah. So continuing the YouTube journey here, junior creator that I am, uh, I've never actually hired an editor to edit one of my videos. It's always been, well, this low production value, let's put it that way. Uh, and I decided going forward, I want to get myself a proper editor. Um, and what excited me about that was that <coughs> I could continue to do my style, which is still basically stand in front of my computer and my microphone and do a talking head presentation. But that can then be edited with all kinds of footage and you know cuts and, and overlays to get it to the point where it is of the standard you expect in an engaging audience building uh, storytelling kind of video. So I did my first ever attempt at that. Um, I've got a list of topics, but I wanted to start with one that's very current. Um, I, I actually bought uh, an apartment in Ukraine many, well, several years ago, three or four years ago. And I did a really fun renovation project where the place looks like a bomb had been dropped. All this trash was there and we renovated it. So I actually wrote a blog post about it back a couple of years ago. And people really enjoyed that. Everyone yeah, loves renovation stories. Hmm. Yeah. So I decided to do a video this time. And obviously there's also that question of there's a war going on in Ukraine did a rocket hit my building and is my apartment still there? So I want to address that. People have been asking me about that. So, you know, I just sat down and recorded my talking head telling the story and then gave it to the editor and, you know, said, listen, do your magic. I didn't give much guidance. And she was awesome. Shout out to Alex. Uh, she, you know, grabbed video footage from my Instagram without me asking her, um, you know, did some stock footage. Uh, obviously, you get footage of the actual city in Ukraine that my apartment's in. Um, you yeah, didn't give her any direction on that? She just did it? A little bit. I gave her direction like saying, here's the blog post, here's the before and after photos. Obviously, use those. But she went, you know, beyond that. Yeah, because I remember actually, like there was like it showed it showed the city, it showed where where the apartment was versus where yeah. others were. So you never that said was, anything. I didn't say much. I, I mean, I I gave her like you know, I obviously looked at some of her other work, but she was she was also really positive in how she interacted with me because I, I I looked at like 
30, 40 different people and, and had quite a few conversations. So mm. I'm happy with the, the result. Um, of course, you know, it's like, why isn't it going viral? Why isn't everyone searching for Ukraine apartments? And, and you know, even just the, the thumbnail, like it says, mm. did my apartment get hit by a rocket? That should be getting everyone's attention. So I'm hoping, uh, as I know, Matt, you've talked about with this show and, and videos in general, it, it's a long-term play. What I want in particular is a back catalog where your engagement time is up across all your videos, which then tells the algorithm each time you release a new video, let's push it a little further, you know, grow your subscriber base and just get that compounding effect of variables. The problem with my channel, which is it's quite old, I think my channel is like probably 10, 15 years old. And you go back and my first video was, I think it was 2007, actually. And I was doing a product launch online for the first time ever of my first ever course. And I had long hair. The video is really grainy. And I'm just sitting there talking for three minutes about how tired I am of doing a product launch. And then you go forward. There's podcast interview videos. There's random travel videos, which are like vlogging, but terrible. And then, you know, the production quality is just not there. So if anyone goes and looks at my back catalog, it's not a great impression. So I want to at least you know, have the most recent 10, 20, 30 videos be of a, of a better quality. And also, because I have my blog, I can leverage what I know as blog topics have been compelling, turn them into videos using the same kind of format um, and go from there. As a good example, um, there's a topic, how I made my first million dollars writing. It's I'm not like, that is a, 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 th a YouTube thumbnail, a YouTube video that many YouTubers have used, anyone who's achieved that result. Um, and it, it's, it's always compelling. So I know I could put together one of those too. I, I've you know made a lot of money from blogging. So I'm excited to keep experimenting. And I love, as Andrew said off air, the fact that you just say, here's my raw footage and it comes back you know, dynamic. And it's actually fun for you because you kind of get to watch your own show for the first time going, oh, that's cool. I like the way they did that. You know, so I really, I really enjoyed the process. Yeah, I watched it. I thought what uh, I loved about it is that you always had these open loops. You kept bringing it back to um, your your apartment. You were telling this. You were telling all the stories about crypto and so on, and then you kept <laughs> like, oh, "Don't worry, this this has to do with the with the apartment, right?" Because at first it felt like you might be going off topic into this crypto thing, right? I love that, and I also loved that uh, you know you offered your place uh, as a refuge uh, for for people <clears throat> who needed it. I thought that was really uh, generous of you. Um, so I just want to point that out. Um, I'm just curious because I'm, I actually thought your video did pretty well. Cause I noticed that, um, you know, you're right now you're at almost a thousand views and it was like almost immediate. Like you share it with me on Instagram. I watched the whole thing. I got hooked into it right away. So I think nice. it was excellent. That's great. I, I, I can convince Matt to watch the whole thing. It's I, I, I didn't think done. I would. Honestly, I was making <laughs> breakfast. I started getting into it and I just, I kept watching the whole thing. I loved it. So I, I, nice. I give it 10 out of 10. And, I, and that's why I'm surprised that your editor uh, was able to figure out all those little points into your editing. I think it was really good. It's yeah, very, I'll uh, call it YouTuber like, you know, um, I'm yeah, curious about Andrew's take. Yeah, uh, because oh, now Andrew would know what to uh, what to optimize here. I have some ideas too, but here's, I here's the, the real things. criticism. All right, Andrew, yeah, come yeah, on. yeah, yeah, yeah me. No. Well, uh, Yaro, I'm going to kick things off just by uh, echoing what Matt just said. Uh, I'm I'm looking at almost 750 views right now, published one day ago, and as I scroll through all of your most recent videos, I don't see anything that has reached that many views. I yeah. have juiced it though. I I okay. sent this one to my newsletter, which I don't normally do because okay. you know they're not like production value okay. videos or, or they're off topic. So I'd yeah. say 500 of those are yeah, yeah, so, juiced. Yeah. So I got, I got a, I got a couple tips for you. If, if you're open for a roast. 
Oh boy, I didn't sign up for a roast, but I'll, 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 I'm doing it. All right, let me. Let me okay, okay. You're getting free consultation here. <laughs> I would, yeah. I would totally drop property in Ukraine out of the thumbnail because you, you, the title says I bought an apartment in Ukraine. It's duplication. So the thumbnail. Yeah, just I would get rid. So of, just the big mistake is all I need. I would just get yeah, leave it at big mistake because that's compelling. That creates uh, uh, curiosity. Like, why is this a big mistake? Why do I want to know what's going on here? And and I mean, Ukraine, Ukraine is already a tr- controversial subject. So, uh, and and you have apartment in Ukraine in the title. Get rid of the 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 text. Too much. Uh, this is what most people screw up. Less is more. Less is more with thumbnails. If you confuse the eye, the the user will scroll past it. Don't ever confuse the eye. And I would like to see you bigger. I want to see you closer to the the lens, or just have uh, the graphic designer zoom in on you, so I can get more motion. What's the, the majority of users on YouTube? Mobile, right? And you gotta, you, I, I, you need, I need to connect I, with you. I need to connect with you in order to convince me to, to click, right? Um, I haven't watched the video yet. This is actually my first time landing on your YouTube channel, but um, I'm gonna check it out and, and be more than happy to, to mention a couple other things. But you mentioned that you promoted it to your email list. For future reference, I would hold off 30 days. Interesting, how come? 30 days, because you need to live, let the YouTube AI do what it does better than anything else on the planet. Really, so you, need yeah. the, you need the natural. Let's see how this video performs without that yeah. little boost. And let yeah. me tell you why. Okay. Let me tell you why. This is this is a common mistake. Common mistake promoting a video as soon mm-hmm. as it goes live because you're trying to drive traffic to it right away. Uh, I would caution you against that only because there's going to be people on your email list. There's going to be uh, social media followers that know you, like you, and trust you, but they're not actually interested in this particular video whatsoever. So let's just go through a hypothetical scenario here, right? They're your friend, they're your family member, you're the colleague, you're, uh, they know you and they like you. So they're going to click on it. And then they're going to watch the first 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds maybe, until they finally Ooh. check that mental box, go, yeah, I've mm-hmm. done my good deed see today. what you're saying. I've shown Yaro my support. And then they're going to look at their watch and they're going to go, wait a second, do I have 17 minutes to watch this that I don't really, I'm not really Matt, interested. Matt did. <laughs> I got Matt. Yeah, so I thought. So he's Andrew, the exception. He's I thought not. that when you upload it on YouTube, you want to get as much traffic as soon as possible in order the, to get those view times and watches up. The right traffic. I'm almost done. The right traffic. That's vitally mm. important because that scenario I just described to you, there's probably more of those people in your newsletter or your social media than you want to admit. You'll, you, it's hard mm. to measure that. You really can't. So when they bounce at 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, what did you just tell the YouTube AI? You told them the machine because the machine low engagement. The, the, mach, the machine doesn't know that this is good content or bad content. The machine is measuring oh. human behavior, and you sent the wrong traffic to the video. The, uh, the YouTube AI assumes it's crap content and it, it limits uh, the video. So my data shows about six minutes on average is being watched the video. Would you say that's that's a good indication or a bad indication? But so far, mm-hmm. anyway, you know, uh, twenty-four like hours later, the the average view duration is six minutes. I normally like yeah. to see at least half, but uh, but it, it's not okay. terrible. I mean, it's it's only been live for a day, so we need to give time uh, the video time to breathe. We need we need to give the AI time to do its thing. But when you promote it to an email list or share YouTube videos on social media so quickly, you are screwing up the YouTube AI's job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Offline. I was just thinking that uh, you should have, uh, or I'm just curious, um, real quick, Andrew. Do you think that he should have started a new channel? Uh, I 
I haven't done like a full analysis. How many uh, different kinds of content do you have on here? If, oh, it's a mess. It's if, a mess. <laughs> if, well, you and I can take it offline. Basically, if, if you're targeting a completely different viewer avatar, then it should be on a different channel. That's the quickest way I can summarize that question. Yeah. All right, guys, that's, uh, that's it for today. Uh, make sure to, uh, I don't know, like and subscribe to the video or something. I don't know. Never know how to, how to end these episodes. But uh, yeah, links, links below. And uh, we'll see you next time. Take care.